Frequency is for open-minded thinkers, for observers who are hopelessly curious, for experiencers of the mysterious, and for those who are passionate about perceiving the unknown. I will be sharing with you all my own exceptional experiences and other extraordinary constructs that exist in our reality. Welcome to Access Elysium. What's up and welcome to all of you beautiful souls out there. I am your host, Amber Odell, and this is the Access Elysium podcast. Well, before I get started, I'm just going to throw a few things out there for you guys. So just to help me (laughs) spread the word that I have a podcast, (laughs) I would love it if you guys would show your support by sharing it with your friends. Yeah, find your other weird friends to send it to and download. Tell everybody, download the episodes. I guess that's what's important these days. (laughs) I gotta keep up with with the times here. So yeah, and or you could sign up to become a VIP member, which is five bucks a month, and that helps to support the show. And then you get two more podcast series from me. One is Conversations with Nikki Levine, and we get crazy. I don't even know if I should be publishing any of those. <laughs> and then you have It's Just Me in Here, where I just go on rants. And I talk about whatever weird stuff pops in my head that day. So please support the show and uh, help me to grow it because I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) But jumping right into the show, I have a question for you. So did you know when it comes to your home insurance, damage by ghosts is covered in common open perils policies and you can purchase paranormal activity insurance for an extra layer of protection? What? (laughs) So coming up on the show today, we're going to dive into what qualifies as a haunted house, haunted houses that are on the market for sale, and steps to take when buying your own haunted house. What the fuck is a haunted house? Oh, this is so perfect because... I particularly love haunted houses. Now, when I say a haunted house, I'm not talking about the ones you pay to go into. Here's the difference for me. (laughs) If you take me to a fake haunted house that's an attraction and take me through that thing, I'm going to scream. I can't help it. (laughs) It's like my body's doing its own thing. Uh screaming the whole way. But if you take me into a real haunted house where there are real spirits and issues going on there, I'm the first one in. I am all about it. I am not going to skip a beat. (laughs) But so let's get into what a haunted house is. So a haunted house is a house or a building often perceived as being inhabited by disembodied spirits of the deceased. So dead people who may have been former residents or were otherwise connected with the property. Now, parapsychologists often attribute hauntings to the spirits of the dead who have suffered from a violent or tragic event in the building's past, such as like murder, accidental death, or suicide. So they say trauma is the number one thing that'll attach the little ghost energy to the houses. But 
parapsychology is the study of alleged psychic phenomena like extrasensory perceptions, telepathy, precog, uh, clairvoyance, psychokinesis, or telekinesis, that's like when you move stuff with your mind, and other paranormal claims. For example, those related to near-death experiences, synchronicity, apparitional experiences, apparitionals usually like an apparition is kind of like a, it's, it's a ghost. It's like a partial person or thing coming through that you can see momentarily. But parapsychology is criticized as being pseudoscience, and the majority of mainstream scientists reject it completely. Parapsychology has also been criticized by mainstream critics for many of its practitioners claiming that their studies are plausible, even though they don't really have any evidence for it when they go into details about psychic phenomena. And they've been doing so for centuries. Parapsychology research rarely appears in mainstream scientific journals. It's usually like small little niche journals. Now, when I was a freshman in college, I took a psychology class and I chose parapsychology as my form of psychology that I wanted to focus on. And I wrote this amazing essay for it. I'm gonna have to pull it out someday because I remember my teacher being like, well, I'm not really a believer of that. So try to convince me. (laughs) I was like, oh, Yes, a challenge accepted. So by the end of my report, my teacher was pretty happy with my evidence, I would have to say. I don't know if I completely converted him, but I think I opened up a door for him. But in a majority of cases of haunted houses, um, upon scientific investigation, alternative causes to supernatural phenomenon are found to be at fault. So they find lots of evidence that it's not really haunted, like hoaxes. People Hoaxes is like when people's making all that shit up because people will do that because people are crazy. But environmental effects or hallucinations. I find it funny that whenever hallucinations gets added into the mix, I'm always very cautious about where they're going with this because what is a hallucination. They're just saying that, oh, you you saw something, but it wasn't real. So we're going to pretend that what you saw didn't happen. That's a hallucination. Get the fuck out of here. No, that was something. And uh, these people saw it just because you didn't doesn't mean that it's not real. That's my problem with what is a hallucination? We're just fucking hallucinating our entire reality, people. I tell you, you're hallucinating everything all the time. It's just your senses picking up on signals and projecting it into reality. It's all a hallucination. But moving on, (laughs) common symptoms of hauntings like cold spots or creaking or knocking sounds can be found in most homes regardless of suspected paranormal presences. Yeah, we know. Houses have noises. It's like when you move into a new house, you kind of have to get used to the new noises that are happening in there. But people are more likely to experience a haunting when they're about to fall asleep, when they're waking up, or if they're intoxicated or sleep deprived. So 
I mean, I get it. That that little in-between state when you fall asleep and you wake up, mm, that's like the magic moments where you're in this whole nother realm. So I don't know that that's like a bad thing. I feel like that's when you're going to get the most amazing experiences. But hauntings in the British Isles were usually attributed to fairies. Oh, I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to get into fairies here soon because I am. there's so many things that pop up with fairies and then you start to realize that there's just all kinds of different names for the same thing. So you can interchange, okay, I'm going to get, you can interchange fairies for ghosts, for demons, for angels, for aliens. Like, honestly, these can all be so similar. But hauntings today are usually associated with ghosts or supernatural encounters. In other cultures around the world, various spirits are said to haunt vacant homes and locations. So that's where we like to think that the ghosts are the most are these places that are abandoned and they've got nothing left but the ghosts in them. In the Middle Eastern countries, for example, jinn are said to haunt such areas. Oh, jinn. I'm going to get into gins too because I've got some real fun stories that include gin. But historically, since most people died in their homes, these homes become natural places for ghosts to haunt. Uh, yeah, with bedrooms being the most common rooms to be haunted because usually that's where people more than likely will pass away, especially if you're old. Just ugh, isn't that what we all want? Just to fall asleep and then done. No worries. <laughs> I don't know. I came into this world with a bang. I'm probably going out with a bang. Sorry, guys. But I found, oh my gosh, I try to find more places other than Wikipedia, but sometimes Wikipedia has got okay stuff. There are, there's a difference between a haunted house and a spirit house. So a spirit house is a shrine to the protective spirit of a place that is found in usually Southeast Asian countries like Burma, Cambodia, Laos, Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, Vietnam, and the Philippines. The spirit house is normally in the form of a small roofed structure and it's mounted on a pillar and they can range in size from like small platforms to large houses big enough for a person to enter inside of it. So immediately I was like, like a birdhouse, but no, they're like bigger <laughs> and they're so intricate, beautiful, but yeah, they can get big enough so a person can go inside of it. Spirit houses are intended to provide a shelter for spirits that could cause problems for the people if not appeased. The shrines often include images or carved statues of people and animals, and votive offerings are left at the house to keep peace with the spirits. So is this kind of like where you've got some jokesters and some troublemakers out there? You're like, well, if, if we build Billy Bob a house, we can keep him over here busy eating all these fun offerings instead of messing with us. I mean, I like I like where they're going with this. Spirit houses in Cambodia, uh, the most common offerings for them are fruit. 
In the neighboring Thailand, however, it is a long-standing tradition to leave offerings of food and drink to the spirit house. Yeah, we can't just feed them. You got to give them something to drink. Got to wash that stuff down. Rice, bananas, coconuts, and desserts are common offerings. But most popular is red strawberry-flavored Fanta. The idea seems to be that friendly spirits will congregate to enjoy free food and drink and their presence will serve to keep more troublesome spirits at bay. Oh, okay. So in Thailand, they think that if they put out the offerings to all the great spirits, that a lot of them will come together and they'll help to keep out the the dickhead spirits. <laughs> Progress in numbers. I get it. But so now we're going to get to what a haunted attraction is versus a haunted house. Okay, haunted attractions. <laughs> this is what they make to scare the people. The idea behind haunted houses is not new. People have entertained themselves with spooky stories for centuries, but haunted houses are different because the tradition could not exist without Halloween. Halloween would not be the same without the haunted houses. The origins of the haunted house date back to the 19th century in London, when a series of illusions and attractions introduced the public to new forms of gruesome entertainment. In 1802, Marie Tussaud, you know what I mean, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, scandalized British audiences with an exhibition of wax sculptures of decapitated French figures, including King Louis, Marie Antoinette, Merritt, and Robespierre. Tussaud's likeness were remarkably accurate, and with good reason, because she created death masks of the French Revolution's, like, guillotine victims. <laughs> so when she set up a permanent London exhibition, she dubbed her gruesome collection the Chamber of Horrors, a name that is stuck to the Wax Museum to this day. So this crazy lady was taking the heads off of people who had had them chopped off at the guillotines and making wax people out of them. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's a little, uh, what was his name? Um, Ed Geenish. I mean, I guess he was just taking the skin from people's faces. She took it to a whole nother level. But at the turn of the 20th century in Paris, the grand, oh no, Guinal Theater became notorious for its onstage depictions of graphic dismemberment. So they chopping each other up. The theater's director, Max Murray, famously boasted that he judged each performance by the number of people who passed out from shock in the audience. And that's a pretty good judge of how good your uh, <laughs> dismemberment is. Uh, theater plays are, are going, but Halloween-themed haunted houses first emerged during the Great Depression as American parents schemed up ways to distract their youngsters who were doing lots of holiday pranks that had escalated to, like, property damage, vandalism, and harassment of strangers. They're trying to tame the little dickhead teenagers. <laughs> I don't know if they're trying to tame them they're trying to contain them into these little haunted theme houses they came in at about the same time as trick-or-treating did 
And cities looked for ways to buy these kids off, essentially. So those first haunted houses were pretty primitive. Groups of families would decorate their basements and hold house-to-house parties. Kids could spook themselves by traveling from basement to basement and experiencing different scary scenes. I Okay, I'm from the Midwest, and most basements are pretty scary anyway. So that was a great idea. Uh, in 1937, Party pamphlets described how parents could also design trails of terror to spook their children. The haunted houses didn't become a cultural icon, though, until Walt Disney decided to build one. Oh, well, this is where we gets a little creepy for Disney. Disneyland's Haunted Mansion opened in 1969, nearly two decades after Disney first approved the project. So... 20 years it took them to make this Ooh, maybe uh, i'm gonna have to dive into disney at some point in time too i i know it's been done but oh man they got some fucked up shit with disney that it's like what but the attraction which was designed in the style of the evergreen house and the winchester mystery house quickly became a success and in a single day shortly after its debut more than 82,000 people passed through the haunted mansion holy shit i mean i'm just hoping for 500 downloads <laughs> 82,000 people showed up for this that's crazy but the shanghai disneyland park planners decided against building the haunted mansion because of the local cultural beliefs about ghosts and hauntings so building the house would have been considered a mockery of their beliefs so they did not do it and as Hollywood begins to embrace slasher movies like Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, personal favorite, and Friday the 13th, the haunted house industry boomed. I mean, it really took off. But if you don't want, if you're not really into like the haunted attractions, you're more into like the real deal. I found a realtor that uh, specializes in buying haunted houses. So BarkerHillRealty.com slash haunted houses tells me all about it. So they say, I buy haunted houses. Uh, they say, I want to be up front in saying that I've never bought a haunted house that I know of. Mm -hmm, they have to probably say that. But I can confidently say that I buy haunted houses because we buy houses in any condition. The reason I buy houses like this is because I'm in the business of solving people's problems, specifically their problems selling their haunted homes. Okay, I like this. So why they buy haunted houses. They say, I buy haunted houses for all sorts of reasons. It gives me great pleasure to buy haunted houses in particular because in most cases, I'm bringing tranquility and peace to someone's life. I've developed a team for techniques for treating haunted houses. So I'm not just bringing peace to the seller. I'm helping to rejuvenate neighborhoods and communities. Man, I like the way that they're selling this. So steps that they take when buying a haunted house. When someone with a haunted house calls me, usually they aren't asking me to say, uh, is this house haunted? They're usually already convinced that it is. And the first thing I do is share with them my advice on to how to sell a haunted house. One, how long has it been haunted? Two, why it might be haunted. Sometimes, you know, they have no idea. 
Sometimes it's just based on local lore or rumors. And three, what are the signs that it's haunted? Most of the time it's something explainable, such as flickering lights and electrical shortages, but things that they check for when they get to the haunted house. So after gathering this information from the seller, they conduct their own tests. They bring in experts and inspectors to test the plumbing, electricity, the air ducts. And in most cases, the house is only haunted in the mind of the person living there. Some of the most popular reasons they found a house that was mistakenly believed to be haunted are branches rubbing against a window or the roof, critters living in the attic or running around on the roof, electrical shortages causing flickering lights or other weird things, plumbing stoppages causing weird noises to come from the pipes, <laughs> improper circulation causing drafts, and dead animals in the attic or walls causing foul odors. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, if you don't know, one of the telltale signs of something evil or demonic in your house is the smell of death. So, yeah, check to make sure there's no real dead animals before you think you're being haunted by a demon. But if all that fails after the inspections and they determine there's no physical cause for the unnatural signs, they will bring in a psychic medium or a paranormal expert to test the house for hauntings. They'll first start off with a thorough tour of the house looking for all evidence of ghosts. This includes such things as negative energy or even physical evidence. After they test the house, I don't even know what kind of physical evidence are they looking for. They should have listed that. Like, what physical evidences are you looking for? Damage to the property? But after they test the house, they can also conduct a house cleansing. And this is to rid the home of the ghouls or the haunted spirits. The way these experts cleanse the house varies widely. So some will play music and dance around the house and others use things like fire and incense and holy water and sage and other natural elements in their work. And many will use a spirit guide to help communicate with the ghosts. So after they're convinced that the house is truly haunted, they finally want to know if the haunting is tied to the house or the current occupant's belongings. Because yes. Yes, if there is a true haunting, um, it's not just, it can be, it can be attached to multiple things. It can be attached to things like toys, to clothes, to items. It could be attached to the actual house. It could be attached to the land. It could be attached to a person, but it does not do the seller any good to try to sell a haunted house when the actual thing that was haunted was like their you know, grandma's tea set. In extreme situations, such as the home is on an Indian burial ground, they will move the house or even level it while archaeologists investigate what is below. I can't imagine. I first, I think most people would be totally freaked out if they found out their house was on top of an Indian burial ground. Um, I would be so excited. I mean, 
it so relates to poltergeist, which I have a, a connection with from my childhood because first I looked just like Carol Ann as a kid. Uh, <laughs> seriously, I did. Even, okay, my, me and my mom were at the mall one time and I remember this lady coming up to us and she asked me for my mom if she could have my autograph and I, I didn't know what that was all about and it's because she thought I was Carol Ann from Poltergeist. <laughs> such a compliment. She has no idea how close I really am. So I would be super intrigued if I was uh, on top of an Indian burial ground. But I did some more digging and I found on LegalZoom.com. Yeah, like the place where you get all the like legal advice. They had all kinds of stuff on buying a haunted house. So buyer beware what they don't tell you about buying a haunted house. So are you worried that your charming home that you're thinking of buying has a dark side? Here's what you need to know about seller disclosures and the paranormal. So, when George and Kathy Lutz went to a house showing on suburban Long Island in 1975, their realtor told them what had happened there a year earlier. On a horrifying November night in 1974, the owner's oldest son had shot and killed his parents and all four of his siblings in their beds. <laughs> Okay, uh, the Lutzes decided they could handle this and bought the house anyways. And it was 28 days before they fled in complete and utter terror. The tales they have told have lived on in the basis for the movie, the Amityville Horror Book and Movie Series. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm all about haunted houses and I would be totally fine Buying one, I would love it. I would, I would love to buy a haunted house, but oh, I don't know. Uh, that's a little extreme. Like that trauma is a lot, and it's gonna be stuck to all the things in there for quite some time. Whew, that one's tricky. The Lutzes at least knew about the murders before they bought the house, though. If you're buying a home with a history of death or haunting, you might not be so lucky. And here is why. Um, there's a common misconception that a home's seller must tell you if the house might be haunted. But in fact, the concept of buyer beware is alive and well in the world of paranormal real estate. So real estate disclosure requirements depends on the state and the property it's located in. In many states, sellers have a laundry list of items to disclose, like, you know, your roof's busted, your foundation's cracked, but buyers usually hire, you know, an inspector to uncover that stuff and to find out what's wrong with it. But most paranormal activities uh, have psychological impacts, not physical ones. So you can, you, I don't know, maybe we should come up with a whole new profession where you go in and you inspect homes for hauntings before you sell them. I mean, this would be fabulous. I would love this job. But these types of hauntings or emotional stigmas fall into the same general category as murders and suicides on the property. And homes built on graveyards are too. They'll creep a lot of people out, but not everyone. A lot of people don't even believe in paranormal activity. Oh, what? It's so sad. Don't even believe in paranormal activity? How 
boring. But a home inspector isn't likely to notice, like, (laughs) if you've got some ghosts lurking around. Perhaps this is why only about half of the states have laws dealing with those stigmas at all. And most of these are designed to limit what the sellers must disclose. So Massachusetts law, for example, says flat out that sellers don't have to tell you about hauntings or paranormal activity at all. They can keep that shit to themselves. Maybe that's because Massachusetts is over there where all kinds of crazy shit happened. And they're like, nah, we don't need to, (laughs) we don't need to let all the ghosts out of the closet here or no one will ever have a house that sells. But in California, you must disclose deaths that have occurred on the property, but only if they occurred in the last three years. So, I wonder why three years? Like who determined that ghosts, they got better things to do after three years? (laughs) I don't know. But still, there are exceptions. So in most states, sellers can't outright lie if they are asked about a defect in the house. They'd have to tell you about a ghost if you ask them. And some supernatural events like, oh, I don't know, blood coming out of your walls or spirits clogging up your plumbing, uh, those have to be disclosed because they cause physical problems that affect the property's value. What? This is awesome. So if you buy a haunted house, can you give it back? If you're like, I don't know. I I did not know that. In a famous 1991 New York case, Stambofsky versus Ackley, the seller, Helen Ackley, had told the local paper and Reader's Digest about the poltergeists in her Victorian house. She even listed it on a local ghost tour. But when it came to sell, she was conveniently forgetting to mention the house was haunted. The buyers put down a deposit and then, big surprise, uh, someone tipped them off. They sued and an appeals court allowed them to resend or to undo their transaction. The court said Mrs. Ackley's ghost stories had greatly affected the property's value and therefore she was obligated to disclose the hauntings to the buyers. Other court cases of sometimes allowed buyers of haunted houses to get out of the deal, but only if sellers didn't disclose the information when they should have, or they misrepresented the property's condition. So these ghosts and goblins are fucking their shit up and they hit it. That's a big no-no. So if you're buying a house and you don't want to deal with a poltergeist in your daughter's closet, you might as well ask the sellers or their realtor if they're, if they're even aware of any hauntings or paranormal activity. Or if there have been any deaths on the premises. At worst, they'll think you're crazy. Congratulations. I mean, I always get excited when people think I'm crazy. At best, you may get some interesting information that the seller wouldn't have otherwise disclosed because you hadn't asked. Uh, always ask. Ask and you shall receive. Don't, if you can't, you will never get anywhere if you don't ever ask. And I'm always digging for juicy stories about hauntings and weird stuff. So I found that on apartmenttherapy.com, why you should buy a haunted house, there was this chick on here who tells you why you should. She said, I grew up in a haunted house and here are three reasons why buying one is a great idea. I love this already. So 
Living in a haunted house wasn't scary. In fact, it added a bit of color to visits from friends and gave me some extra details to share when people asked about my house. Nothing about it was, you know, changing anything about my lifestyle. And that's the case with most haunted houses. In most cases, it's something that can be managed just like anything else you might get with, you know, a home inspection report or things you have to do to upkeep on a house. Because when you own a home, oh man, forever are you fixing things. But she said, here are the top three reasons why you should. One, you'll probably save a lot of money. Uh, if a house is considered haunted, it's also considered stigmatized in the real estate industry, which means you likely won't pay top dollar for it. Um, unnatural deaths and alleged hauntings typically drop a home's price by up to 20%. Yep, I want a haunted house. <laughs> Save me some money so I can have some new friends. Number two, new friends lurk around every corner. <laughs> Just think, with unearthly roommates around, you never have to be alone, and you might even enjoy having them there. It's like having your friends sleeping over every night. Most places have fairly benign spirit activity, and some people can even develop friendships with their household spirits. Yes, this is what, I don't know that I had like any repeating spirits that came to my house. It was always something different, but I feel like we were friends after. Well, there's a few where I was like, ha, no, but most of them. Yeah. It's like I made new friends, but this girl said, think of it this way. When looking for a new place to live, many of us have had the experience of walking into a place and immediately feeling a sense of coming home. What if that feeling was particularly due to a spirit that resides there? What if you were waiting for someone like this and they were waiting for you and the feeling of home was coming from their energy? Oh, that's so sweet. But Another reason she says is it just makes for interesting research. Okay, if you love history and research projects, a haunted house is perfect for you. I feel more and more. I need I might need to I might need to buy a haunted house. <laughs> Assuming you want to know what's behind the haunting, it's like a puzzle trying to fit together the pieces of the mystery that happened at your home. You can talk to neighbors who might tell you about previous residences, call the local police department about any past incidences. Oh, I never really thought about that. You could go go dig up some info on that or visit your local library or city archives for any historical information or newspaper articles. Plus, what better way to get to know your new neighbors when you're trying to find out if dead people are hanging out at your house? That's not going to make you look weird at all. <laughs> But when might you not want to buy a haunted house? Because, yeah, like the Amityville Whorehouse, mm, I don't know about that one. Um, in certain situations, buying a haunted house may not be the best idea for you. She says if walking into a space causes too much emotion to well up and it doesn't go away as you look through the house, it might get tiring to live there and deal with this kind of emotional energy going on. If it's a house where owners never stay long, there might be toxic energy that might benefit from a visit with a medium. Um, yeah, I've been in houses with really toxic energy and I wanted to get the fuck out of there. No, I'm not going to sit and dwell in the middle of that 
gunky energy. <laughs> Gotta go, bye. It can be difficult for sensitive people to distinguish one's own thoughts and emotions from those of a resident spirit. So children and teenagers in particular can be very sensitive to spirit activity. She would not advise folks with younger kids to purchase a haunted house if you can help it. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't either. I mean, I don't know. Like, I had fun with it when I was a kid for the most part. There was real, real scary stuff with it, too. And, uh, you know, you're always way less uh, financially stable. Oh, it's always when you're younger that you don't have enough money. So you're looking for a much more affordable home. So it's like a catch-22 if you want to buy an affordable house. But, oh, guess what? It's haunted. Ah. My kids are grown now. I mean, maybe that could be a new project for me as I eventually want to buy a haunted house. Oh, my husband's going to love this. <laughs> but would you be willing to share your home with a spirit from the other side? So um, two in three Americans would not live in a home with previous owners were believed to still haunt the place. So 67% of Americans agree that sellers should disclose hauntings and other stigmas for sure, and women feel strongly that stigmas should be disclosed at 73%. Yeah, that's because uh, most of us females are much more sensitive to this kind of stuff. Yeah, we have a connection to it, and... Yeah, we want to know what we're dealing with here. So only 30% of Americans would buy a haunted house. And purchasing a haunted house can be risky for you and your bank account, especially if the community is aware of the hauntings. Because if you do end up living in a haunted house, prepare for a more difficult resale process. So it better be your forever home. <laughs> because according to... Surveys, 60% of potential buyers wouldn't move forward with the purchase of a seller if they disclosed the property was haunted. Well, hmm. while it might be harder to list a haunted home, you can get protection from unwanted roommates, though, because this is crazy. Uh, in your home insurance, damages by ghosts is covered in common open perils policies. So you can purchase paranormal activity insurance for an extra layer of protection. What? I've never... I've never heard of this before. I'm calling my fucking real estate or my real estate. I'm calling my insurance people right now and I'm going to ask them. But... Or maybe, maybe, I, maybe I shouldn't. I'll be like, no, my house is fine. I was just asking for a friend. So stigmas go beyond the paranormal realm, though. So a stigmatized property is one with an unsavory past that could make it unattractive to buyers, such as, oh, I don't know, cult activities or violent crimes. Yeah, probably not a, a big seller for people, when you start to think of haunted house, you know, you can kind of put that into a category in the make-believe maybe for some people, but no, deaths and cults, those are real and you can research all that. It's also worth noting that no state requires sellers to disclose a death in the home due to natural circumstances. So if dead bodies of any kind give you the heebie-jeebies, reach out to neighbors because they're going to be the only ones to know because if somebody died naturally, nobody has to report it. So you only have to report a death 
if it's an unnatural death. But no, I thought if you asked, they have to, I don't know. Ask and you shall receive. That's what I know. But here's some main reasons why properties would be stigmatized. Um, one, paranormal activity. Yep, that's what we're talking about here. But two, murder or suicide. A tragic death can have a big impact on the value of a home. This stigma can be especially unsavory for other people if the tragedy is splashed across the headlines and in the papers and everybody knows about it. Um, take the townhouse where Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman were murdered. For you know, example, this property is well known for its involvement in the O.J. Simpson murder trial. And it sat on the market for two years before finally selling for almost a quarter million under market value. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Consider a criminal activity as a stigma too. So if the house down the street from you was once busted for having an underground meth lab, uh, it's going to forever be known as the crackhead house, no matter who the current owner is. And yep, I know exactly how this is. I had a crackhead house in my neighborhood and that's what it'll always be to me. But public intrigue is another reason. So Many buyers are also wary of purchasing a home that doubles as a tourist attraction. So this is like like hit shows will have movies with certain addresses or certain houses that were used in the filming. And it's going to draw unwanted visitors and crowds that might do like, I don't know, they have tours, ghost tours, and they have megaphones to shout it out and tell everybody about it. And that is going to have an annoyance or safety fears for homeowners. So, for instance, the witchy town of Salem, Massachusetts, is unendained with Hocus Pocus fans every October. Oh, my gosh, especially this one with the new Hocus Pocus, I'm sure. One house featured in the film is now a private residence and a popular tourist stop. And it's rumored that the visitors aren't always on their best behavior, Although the current owners are good sports about it. Oh, what a bunch of dicks. Now, if you're going to go check out any kind of haunted house or a home or building with a history to it, do not be assholes or vandalize or do any damage. I mean, hello. Come on, guys. But owners with previous debt is also another stigma. So if a previous homeowner's outstanding debt, unpaid bills are scary because debt collectors can show up at the address demanding money from new owners. <sighs> well, that sounds awful. I don't want to deal with any of that shit. Do I really? Nah, I want a haunted house. <laughs> But here are some haunted houses that are for sale in the U.S. So, do you have what it takes to live in a haunted house? So, here's one at La Veta Place in uh, Nyack, New York. This house is so haunted that the Supreme Court ruled it so. And in a landmark legislation about the stigmatized property known as the Ghostbuster ruling, this is the one we were talking about earlier, former owner Helen Ackley had told many tales about the poltergeist in the house, from phantom footsteps to shaking beds, but she failed to disclose them during the selling process. So this house was beautiful. Oh my gosh, it's like a big Victorian home, 4,600 square feet. They are asking $1.8 million for it. It's hmm. a little out of my budget. But the Sound Rock Castle in Key Largo, Florida. Oh my gosh, I've always wanted a castle. 
Yes, this one looks awesome. It's the oldest home in Key Largo, known as the Haunted House on Largo Sound. And it may also be the most stigmatized uh, house around, although some buyers may be willing to live with the spirits in order to gain waterfront access to the Florida Keys. Absolutely. The home's walls are three feet deep with coral rock, which helped the structure and its owner survive the Labor Day hurricane of 1935. It wasn't until the 1950s, though, that the haunting lore about the property began. It is a beautiful 4,000 square foot castle asking $1.5 million. How many friends do I need to get together so that we can buy a castle that's haunted? Oh my gosh, this would be amazing. But Maplecroft, Fall River, Massachusetts. Um, So it says, do you remember the tale of Lizzie Borden who bore an axe and gave her mother 40 wax? Yep. This rhyme strikes fear in school-aged children across the U.S., and now you can buy her former home in Maplecroft in Fall River. While the address is not the scene of the actual murders for which she tried, you know, to, well, she was tried and acquitted, but it is the place that she lived out the remainder of her life. It's rumored that her ghost will still haunt the property today. And paranormal investigators are said to have encountered a presence while filming there. So this is a big house. These are all big houses. Wow. It's almost a 4,000 square feet home, but they're only asking 890,000 getting a little little it's still not in my price range (laughs) what am i talking about so villa fortuna in reedsville north carolina this victorian home is the cheapest haunted house on our list oh there we go this is probably my my uh (laughs) my range here Full of gothic flavor and ghost encounters this house is being sold as is and isn't currently livable It's the perfect fixer-upper for a potential buyer who doesn't mind uninvited guests. The current owner, as well as former occupants, have observed some unearthly stuff on site. From leather shoes moving across the tile floor to lingering smells of cigar smoke on the patio. Well, that's not so bad. I can handle that. But it's a 1,500-square-foot home, and it's selling for $99,000. I can afford that. I mean... I'd probably have to dump another 150000 into it to fix it up, but all right, getting better. So Loftus Hall in Langford, Ireland is for sale. So I thought these were supposed to be in the U.S., but I'll go to Ireland for a castle. This looks like a castle, too. For those willing to dabble in international haunted real estate, this is the haunting listing for you. Loftus Hall is dubbed the most haunted house in Ireland, and legend says that Satan himself visited the property during the 18th century. Wow, that's a celebrity for you. You might feel right at home if you're seriously disturbed. (laughs) Um, in addition to ghost stories, the historic mansion comes with 63 acres of property and 22 rooms to explore. So it's holy fuck. It's 27,000 square feet. Zing. And it's $2.8 million. I feel like this is a steal. <laughs> 63 acres and 27,000 square feet. Yeah. Um, here's one that's like, ew. 
the John Wayne Gacy property in Chicago, Illinois. If you purchase this Chicago listing, you'll share soil with deceased serial killer John Wayne Gacy, aka the clown killer. This fucker was disgusting. Uh, tragically, this address is also the scene of nearly all his murders and the place where the bodies of his victims would be discovered. And in 1978, 26 dead bodies were discovered in the crawl space of Gacy's home. The house where the atrocities occurred has since been demolished, but the lot lives on. Ah, they're selling the lot. Oh, okay. It's 435,000. Oh, man. That's like, I don't know about that one. I don't think I'd do that one. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, I remember that when they, they like demolished the whole thing, tore that fucking place down. Nobody wanted that place to exist anymore. Um, I wonder if it's just been vacant and nobody's wanted to own it since then, since the 70s. I don't know. Maybe I should look into it. Who would buy that? I don't know. But historic Frankfurt House in Frankfurt, Illinois, looks like a creepy, looks like a creepy house that probably could have existed in downtown Topeka, Kansas. So this four-story Victorian mansion comes with the spirits of two young girls, both of whom are said to have perished in the bedroom on the third floor. Lore says one died by fever and the other by violence. The hauntings are a local legend and multiple previous owners and visitors claim to have met the ghosts or felt their presence. The screams of young girls, unexplained temperature drops and exploding items. What? Uh, And more have been observed in the house. Exploding items. Ow. This could be fun. The house was also the setting of the 2018 horror film, The Girl in the Third Floor Window. The producer of the movie said they sought out the property because they wanted to film in a real-life haunted house. Mm, I love that, though. Yeah, if I was going to film a haunted movie, I I would want to do it in a real haunted house, too. The size of it is only about 2,000 square feet, and it's only selling for 274,000. I can afford that. I don't know. That's not far for me. But here's one that everybody will probably know about. So an abandoned Ohio mansion. So ghosts might be afraid to go anywhere near Mike Tyson. But it looks like something very scary happened to Tyson's former Ohio mansion. The home is complete with a spooky moss-covered indoor swimming pool, a massive trashed living room, holes punched through walls, uh, a rusty tiger cage, and the boxer lived here for a period in the 1990s. And it has sat abandoned ever since. Now... Now on the market, many possible problems have been resolved through the agent who is clear that the buyer is needing to return it to its former luster. On a very private 60 acres of open and wooded land, this adjoins to a golf course and is almost 10,000 square feet. There's also a separate guardhouse with another four to five additional bedrooms. So it's got like Walking paths, basketball courts, decks, animal cages, you know, for all your lions. And we suggest a large Halloween party before renovation begins. So no decorating necessary. Priced at 1.3 million tiger cages included. Wow. 
so I don't really know how new this story is. I wish that they would put an address on there so that I could go check this out. I love to see pictures. Oh, yeah. It looks like uh, 50 Cent bought his mansion. I mean, it's this huge mansion and it has its own club inside of it. <laughs> Good for you, 50 Cent getting up on a deal. But the last one is a $15 million LA haunted house. So sitting vacant for over 16 years unfinished, this house was said to be plagued by alien spacecraft sitting on top of an Indian burial ground, beloved by gangs, addicts, and Satanists. The butt of the rumors have become urban legends, and the house's history has even become a storyline on an Law & Order episode. It is currently for sale and is listed for $15.2 million. Sitting on 22 acres, it was the last undeveloped land in LA. And the 10,000 square foot house has shit ton of bedrooms and bathrooms, a 20 bottle wine cellar, six car garage, stone floors with a pool and jacuzzi. Uh, the city and the Pacific are in the view of its property. So from the windows, you can see snow-capped mountains and the Hollywood sign. There is a 24-7 armed guard on duty to keep bad spirits away and prevent damage. Though unlikely that aliens will land or that spirits will arise. Are you kidding me? I mean, asking you shall receive. The ghostly rumors, however, will likely be around for many years to come. Ah! I need to look into houses that have had spacecraft landed there too, not just ghosts. Oh, I love all of this. Well, to give you a little bit of background on my houses growing up, I would not necessarily say that any of my houses were haunted. Now, the one house that I spent most of my childhood in was next door to a cemetery. <laughs> yep, I loved it though. I would sneak out at night and just go hang out in the cemetery. I would much rather go hang out in a cemetery at night where it is very calm and very peaceful than hang out with most people who are alive. <laughs> I did have certain experiences from this. Uh, I did have a lot of different experiences in my house, but I don't necessarily think that it was because it was haunted. I do believe somehow that the land that we were on was a vortex of some kind. <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> it is a vortex there. To this day, they can't get internet. <laughs> Serious, like there's no internet at my parents' house still. To this day. But there was this energy that I was picking up on. But I've also had activity in all homes that I've lived in. And I think it's because of me and not necessarily just the home, but a combination of both. Because when I go into a space, I can always feel that kind of energy. And I... I pick up on them and they pick up on me and we are exchanging these experiences together. So uh, I've had all kinds of stuff happen to me over the years, starting from when I had my first memories living out in the country in Kansas to my teenage years, to my first house I purchased, to all the way up to the one I live right now. Now, I haven't had a whole lot of experiences in my brand new house. It is new. We've never had a house that was brand spanking new until now. 
So nobody else has lived here but us, which is so great because we're like creating all the shit that's going to stick to the walls (laughs) for people after us. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, I have had some uh, experiences, but I don't think it was due to the house, but I know this sounds kind of crazy, but I want to try to create some experiences here. People are always out there searching for paranormal activity, searching for um, experiences and places that harbor this energy. I am going to do the opposite one of these days. I feel like it would be amazing to create those things in your own space so you don't even have to go anywhere. I always thought it would be very cool to try to project this... (laughs) this uh, external dimension in my bedroom that I can store all of this information in and that I can go into and invite other things to meet me there to have experiences without it actually affecting our dimension here. (laughs) I mean, is that too weird? (laughs) I feel like it's just a safer way to communicate. Um, but so I don't, I don't live in a haunted house right now, but, oh, I think I might put it on my list that someday if I want to invest, I want to buy a haunted house. So I think that those are all the things that I can say today. So I hope you have enjoyed the time that we have spent here together. And I can't wait to share more with you guys on the next Access Elysium podcast.